Hey guys, this is Square Zeros. Uh, I'm John. And I'm Derek. And uh, today we're interviewing uh, Stephen Perry, who is a local musician and music writer. Uh, Stephen, why don't you introduce yourself for us? Uh, my name is Stephen Perry. I am a guitarist, a singer, um, a songwriter, and also a drummer. I play in two local bands. One is called The Planes, which I sing and play guitar in, and that is spelled like a flying plane. <laughs> and um, the other band is called Big Quiet, and I play drums in that band. And tell us just real quick a little bit about Hearts Bleed Radio. Oh, yeah. Hearts Bleed Radio is a blog that I do, and it is also kind of a um, show production um, endeavor. And basically, uh, you know, we write about local bands, um, some not local, some local, mostly all local, do showcases about 0.8 times per month <laughs> on average. So there's pretty much one every month, sometimes two. And, um, you know, we try to get a little bit written about the bands and try to get everybody feeling like it's going to be an event. Um, they've been fun so far. I recommend checking out heartsbleedradio.blogspot.com. <laughs> real cool. Real cool. So uh, today you're here to talk to us, though, about your high school band. Um, yes. And your high school band is called? Epinephrine, which <laughs> is don't let drummers name bands, for starters, especially high school drummers. <laughs> I love the guy. But um, let me just say we wanted to give him something to like name the band or do something and we wanted to include him in that process kind of and we couldn't decide on a name he was into more like um kind of like green day-esque slash punker stuff and we were very much into grunge music and sonic youth and that kind of like um really guitar heavy slower indie stuff um so epinephrine kind of sounds like a really bad like kind of bay area pop punk band and that's not what we <laughs> okay. were at all but well let's hear what you sound like you have uh, a song for us called gap ad gap ad yeah all right
That was awesome. If if I may, uh, that was pretty rad. That's not something I would be embarrassed about uh, playing or listening to uh, right now today in Brooklyn. Well, that was the best <laughs> song on the of, the of the bunch we recorded. Uh, we could definitely do it better nowadays. Um, you know, it just I remember like the process of recording. It was we had someone's PC and it was probably 1997 and it was like a moderately okay computer for that time with like some of the first like digital you know, recording software. It was like Cakewalk, I think. And like we played every the guitars are all clean. We put all the distortion on with a computer and it sounds miserable. And like we didn't know what we were. Do- I mean, the guy was really nice to help us out. And I think he did a pretty good job with what he had, which was not much by today's standards, you know, equipment was word no it's interesting i mean the tone of it i mean there is it's interesting to hear that you played it clean and then put the distortion on because the tone of it is sort of i mean i also had it right next to my ear but it was a little shrill you know there was some shrillness yeah Uh, it's that digital distortion for sure you know ones and zeros in there right right yeah um but no i thought i thought i mean i thought sonically it was rad and i thought the song was you know was really good so you were what middle high school um yeah i think i was 17 i think we were all 17 we're in the same class okay Um, and the ep is called from with love no that's actually like that um it was called good time charlie if i believe good time charlie um, was this ep and then all these tracks were taken off like a cd that i made of just like a ton of stuff that i did a lot like on my own i was in another band called craphead which was me <laughs> okay. and my buddy with a if we want to do another one on craphead we can check that stuff out um and we recorded that on like a four track uh, this was the band that was mostly the band that i was in like for i guess three years really like sophomore through senior year in high school okay and where were you guys based what's um i'm from cape cod uh we played mostly in various basements in the nasset regional school district um so basically kind of like now it's like the entire cape from the elbow kind of down but um when i was there it didn't include the last town province not so it was like wrist through through elbow of cape cod okay, if you do gotcha. that elbow thing yeah. you know it's funny because my uh i i thought you were from the cape uh and uh, i asked because Really, uh, I hear a little bit of the freeze in there. Tell me, are you a fan of the freeze? <laughs> no, no um, <laughs> you could probably. I think our drummer might have been a little bit. I mean, I think that like a lot of, you know, like in high school, the way that things were divided socially, uh, me and my friends were kind of like the arty little weirdo types, and um, you know, we got along better. I think with like kind of the hardcore kids, and like you know, some of them, you know, to this day, I still like you know, in Facebook friends with and stuff like that. Like culturally, like we were close. And I went to a lot of hardcore shows just being looking for something to do because that was a big part of the music scene on the Cape and it probably still is, you know. No, I mean, it definitely seems like the kind of music that would appeal to either of those crowds. Like you talked about your drummer being a little more punk and, you know, you guys being a little more indie rock. But it seems like it has that sort of aggression that would that would lead to one and sort of the song craft that would lead to the other. Now, you had another song that you wanted us to go ahead and listen to as well? Uh, yeah, you can go on and throw Had to Be up there. Okay, do you want to introduce this one at all? I don't even know like what this song is about. I know, well, for starters, let me just say, Gap Ad was like, it was a joke that like it would be the song that would be like on an ad for The Gap, and that was like, the pretense with that song. I don't remember my thinking more or less, but Had to Be, I totally don't even really remember what this song is about, except I think just being a frustrated uh you know kind of teenage boy in a small town but not even like coherent (laughs) (laughs) all right let's hear it i love your life of cigarettes and caviar you love to live with all the dead movie stars the end is nice it's really better getting there 
Awesome. Had to be by Epinephrine. That was really cool. I definitely heard a lot more kind of uh, grunge era sound in that. Maybe in that a little one, bit of the yeah. meaner pavement songs. I don't even know if I liked pavement at the time. I, mean, I think yeah. we just really wanted to be Nirvana. I was going to say Nirvana. Nirvana. It's got a little bit of a rape me kind of feel. Uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you too. What's your what's your role on this record? I mean, on I, this, I, I play um, guitar and uh, I play rhythm guitar and sing on this. I didn't really know how to sing at all uh, as far as guitar-wise. It's like I think that I, I kind of wrote I mean, the bulk of the material and we kind of jammed it out. And like if, if chords sound good together is by, by chance. Like, sure. we, it was all hit and miss with everything we did. Um, we had a lead guitarist, uh, uh, Jay, my friend. Um, I still am in touch with him. And the bass player was our friend Mark who wanted to play guitar, I think, more. But we kind of... Um, you know, kind of got him to be the bassist because we needed one because we thought because you need one at least you needed one back then. Right. And um, honestly, listening to the EP, his his musicianship, his bass playing is the most solid I think overall of all the musicianship on okay, the album. He's kind of what got you guys, made you guys a little bit more legit than you would have otherwise been. No, at the time, I I, like at the time, one. I think we were like, uh, you know. Yeah, like man, you can play guitar like on some songs like in the future. Like play bass on these, and like there might have been one song where like I played bass or Jay played bass, um, and 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 Mark was a good guitarist too. I mean, I feel like he was probably maybe even better than us, but um, he was accepting that role, and you know, for a couple of years, and we played in his basement, played in Matt's basement, the drummer, um, played you know in my place sometimes, like. It was, what was the scene like? Was it t- typical kind of suburban punk hardcore scene? Uh, yeah, I would say like on the Cape. I mean, it's not really suburban because it is like two hours from like Providence or Boston, depending on yeah. you know. It's it's more of like um, small town. Like uh, it was before the internet. We had some bands in our high school that were uh, you know pretty good, but you know we looked up to them because they were the older kids and they were they were better than we were for sure like they were good enough like if they played in brooklyn like these days like people might like them you know like for real 
Um, there were some some hardcore bands. There was a big hardcore punk scene. It's interesting to hear you say that you kind of looked up to these older bands and they were, you know, good enough that, you know, if they played in Brooklyn now, people wouldn't think about it. I mean, I think the sound would work. You know, like, I mean, obviously you sound like, you know, a, a sort of like fledgling band that's sort of figuring it out. And maybe right. the musicianship's not there, maybe the, not completely there. Maybe like the, the recording style. I mean, again, that sort of cakewalk, <laughs> that sort of cakewalk moment that I think every young, <laughs> every every musician our age wishes they could forget, um, you know, is there. But I mean, I think the stylistically would absolutely play in Brooklyn right now well i mean because retro stuff is big but it's it's just like uh you know i think that there's a, a period of time where right after we had done this and like as a musician like being in you know that band like i kind of you know realized like how much i was not writing music as much as i was just copying stuff like transitions that i heard i mean i feel like you know we would do the quiet verse loud chorus thing just because that was like what our idols did and it's interesting what you say i don't have that in my heart anymore though like i wouldn't want to play like sometimes like that kind of but like to do a band to have that sound again it was like we just that's what we knew that was the coolest songs on the radio was like nirvana and like the couple of indie stuff that we got into you know outside of that aside from nirvana what was kind of informing Um, music at the time i was a big rem fan i was a big um we were big sonic youth fans we had a huge like velvet underground poster that we bought together and it would spend like two months in someone's house and two months in the next person's house and i have no idea who the who the hell has that poster um i thought about it when louis died like you know last month or whenever it was well speaking of uh like questions of influence and stuff like that i mean where do you where are you now i mean you talked about stuff that you wouldn't want to play now that you would want to play now like uh why don't you tell us just a little bit you know maybe give us a little idea of sort of what the planes are doing what big quiet's doing you know, I'm not the main songwriter in Big Quiet, though um, a lot of stuff that we do, I think, comes from, you know, like uh, a kind of jangle rock, like early 80s, um, kind of what you would call college rock before there was really indie, you know, um, conceptually at least. And, you know, that has a lot to do with, I think, some of um, the stuff that Epinevron did that I don't think made it onto this EP that was more kind of REM feeling because I know Marisa is a huge REM fan. Um, again, I'm the drummer in that band, so it's like I don't even know where my drumming is, it just came from, like what I kind of can do and thought like sounded good and wasn't overplaying. As far as that's concerned, it kind of is like a throwback to me from stuff that I, you know, have always been listening to throughout my life. So here, you're a lot of what you do here in Brooklyn. You're, you're busy in two different bands you book and you interview bands and you're very tapped into the local scene uh through hearts bleed radio so you know you've got a a bit of a kind of organizer role almost i'm wondering if that was parlayed from your high school experience were you like that kid with a zine did you book shows back in high school no not actually as much as you would think i mean like we did set up i think some things it's kind of hard to really remember at the time like we spent I mean, way, way too much time, I think, just, like, hanging out down by the lake and just being, like, aimless teenagers and stuff like that, you know? I kind of wish I had done more of it back then. I mean, I kind of, like, always knew people who were, like, on the outside of our social scene who were more into stuff like zines. We were just really into just screwing around, I think, as a hobby, you know? And how'd you get into kind of what you're doing now? Uh, as far as Heartsbleed Radio is concerned, it's like I wanted to have press and I wanted to have a booking agent and I wanted to have um, a way to get into festivals like Northside 
um, and CMJ. And I wanted to have a way to do all of that without relying on someone else to do it. And I think that I've seen so many bands who are like trying to get the attention of like whatever booking company or like whatever blog or whatever. And I was just like, well, no, I don't think anyone's ever, and it's not, I guess it's me being kind of a cynic, but it's like, I'm not going to wait for someone to like us or someone to think that we're cool. Like, I'm just going to do all that stuff myself. And it's like, if we have to build venues, we'll build venues and we have to like do everything on our own. Like we'll do everything on our own. Like, but it gets to a point, I think where it's like, you realize you're capable of doing it all. So why are you going to try to try to get noticed by somebody just spend that energy in, in building something? Well, what do you have? What do you have on the, on the agenda? What do you have coming up? Uh, the planes are playing, uh, next Wednesday, which is our drummer's birthday show. We're playing at matchless, um, at eight o'clock sharp. And then I think December 20th, we might be doing the hearts bleed radio Christmas party at pet rescue, which is, um, the planes guitarists loft space, uh, kind of at the end of metropolitan Avenue ish, um, right before it goes into Queens in that area. And then I think that's it. Um, working on something for Big Quiet for January. We're going to do a benefit show for um, the Philippines uh, for the typhoon, for typhoon relief. And that is going to be on January 11th at Shea Stadium. And there's a Heartsbleed Radio Showcase at Cake Shop on January 15th, which is going to be Pow Wow, Crazy Pills, uh, Hey Baby, and a band from Chicago called Shiloh. And I think that's everything, but I'm probably forgetting something. Rock and roll sounds like a busy winter, man. Thanks. Uh, and then just a quick plug, because I know you're modest. Uh, Planes have a rad record they just released digitally called Echo Forever, Forever Echo. Big Quiet has dropped a couple singles on this fall. Uh, most recently, Why Do We Bother? And Hearts Bleed Radio, as you just heard, is kicking ass right now. Dude, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks it for having me, guys. It was a pleasure having one of New York City's finest here. Thank you. Square zeros, dudes. Signing off.